What's up, everyone? Brandon Kaiser here, and welcome to the Biggest Fan Podcast, presented by Biggest Fan Consulting, where we build robust student sections at the high school and college levels. We take chill and apathetic fan zones and turn them into electrifying, hype-generating, and outcome-altering student sections. In 2013, I had the opportunity to help start and grow the GCU Havoc student section, which is now known as the biggest party in college basketball. I've witnessed some of the greatest moments in sports history and have lived to tell some of the wildest stories of what it means to be the biggest fan. So now we're taking those incredible memories and stories and we're bringing them directly to you. You'll get a firsthand look into the crazy ideas, outrageous stories and dedicated lifestyle of some of the most passionate fans in all of sports. So stand up, paint your face or reflect on the glory days. Let's jump right in. Today, we have a special guest on the Biggest Fan Podcast, uh, Kyle Sams. He is the outgoing executive director of West Virginia University student section called the Mountaineer Maniacs. And uh, he actually served as the executive director while getting his master's degree in uh, marketing and communications. And Kyle, I just under, I understand that you just finished the, the finishing touches on your, your capstone. Is that correct? Just finished. It felt so good. Uh, just finished last Friday. So got my complete capstone done, a whole, whole marketing campaign based on a melatonin product. So that okay. was a little uh, interesting. Yeah, a little different from, from student sections and athletics yeah. marketing, I'm sure. Yeah, different perspective. Sure. Well, congratulations. That's a, it's a big accomplishment to get your master's degree. So Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, well... Um, to start us off, uh, we're still in we're still in COVID. Things are changing every day. Um, let's let's start there. I mean, when the world shut down in March, it was the middle of of conference basketball tournaments. Where were you? What were you doing when, when the sports world came crashing down? Yeah, so I remember I was actually watching the Big Twelve tournament on on my TV and just refreshing Twitter constantly, um, just keeping up with all the. The journalists tweeting out like updates. It seemed like we were getting an update every five seconds yeah. of just because the the situation just continued to escalate. Um, first day they said no fans, and then actually I was I was watching. I forget what game it it was. I think it was like TCU or something. Yeah, and I saw the tweet from a reporter that said uh, Big Twelve cancels tournament um, due to COVID nineteen. I was just like, is this real? Like it didn't feel real. It yeah. felt like we were living just in like a sci-fi movie, basically. Um, and then <laughs> basically every conference ended up canceling. Or, or I think they said postponed at the time, but okay. as we know, um, ended up being canceled. And I was just, it's, it's frustrating because it's out of our control. Um, but I mean, obviously it's the, the smart thing to do. It was just difficult to watch, um, especially this being my last year. Um, and a lot of the other, for the seniors, it kind of hurt. Um, but you know, it's the it's the the safest thing to do. And hopefully, moving forward, we can we can actually have a an actual season this year. Hopefully, yeah, we're we're all hoping in the sports world. Yep. 
Um, were, were you at the tournament or were you just watching? No, so I was actually watching just in my living room. I remember okay. just having the, having the games on the, on the TV and then just keep, keep scrolling through Twitter on my phone just for the updates and everything. But it was yeah. just – I was just in awe because um, it just didn't feel real. Um, and WVU this year, we were kind of up and down, um, kind of a question mark for the tournament. So I was really looking forward to the Big 12 tournament and then March Madness just because, you know, we – Yeah. I feel like we could have made a run there at the end, but um, I guess we'll never know. Yeah, I know. There's so many, so many unknowns and um, – yeah, it's, it's a bummer for, for the athletes, for the coaches, for the student right. section leaders, for the students as a whole. Um, but it sounds like, sounds like you made your mark when you were there. Um, do you have a, a favorite uh, team um, or player during your time there? So uh, the, just this past year watching uh, Oscar Sheboy on the basketball team, he probably the most athletic just athlete he could play any sport, I think, and just dominate. He's just a freak athlete. Um, there was one play against Texas. He he got a, a steal, and then the ball was rolling. like it, Any other player would have went out of bounds. He yep. sprinted down the court, got the ball, and then just dunked it in the defender's face. The Coliseum went wild. That was just – everyone just kind of looked at each other like, did that <laughs> just happen? So I think he will definitely uh, – make his way in the NBA um, in the next, next couple of years. Um, but actually in football, there's a guy, uh, Skylar Howard. Okay. He, he, he was a quarterback. Um, and he was kind of uh, uh, controversial. He was not a fan favorite, but looking back, okay. I think he was one of the most, he just put his, put his head down, got to work. You know, he basically did whatever was asked of him. Um, kind of a dual threat guy. And he actually led us to our last 10 win season um, was led by him. We won the cactus bowl. So uh, he's actually one of those guys that when I look back on my time, uh, my five years at WVU, he's one of those guys that I kind of relate to just, uh, you know, he's not like a flashy guy. Um, yep. Like everyone knows Will Greer. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, Skylar Howard's kind of anti Will Greer, you know? Okay. Cause he wasn't a fan favorite. Um, but he got us 10 wins and a bowl win um, and was just quiet about it. Just did his work um, and just won. He was just a winner. So yeah, that's one guy. I, uh, not many people you'll, you'll hear that name from, but uh, that was, that's one guy I uh, can relate to. I think he's actually yeah. playing in Japan right now too. Really? <laughs> yeah. He's, there's a, wow. like a Japanese football league. So cool. I got mad props for him. Just yeah. with it. like if you do what you love, you know, that's right. Fine. You can find opportunities. Good for him. And wins always help. I mean, if right. you're winning, typically fans will, will keep their opinions to themselves as long as there's a, a W on the schedule. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things where, you know, one incomplete pass and the fans are like, you can just <laughs> feel the uneasiness in the crowd. But it's like, come on, like, look, let's give them a break. Yeah. So what made you choose um, West Virginia in the first place? So I grew up in West Virginia. Um, okay. I, I've, I've lived here my whole life. And uh, both of my parents went to WVU, actually. So um, I'm kind of a legacy. I grew up going to the games and just really fell in love with Morgantown and the whole atmosphere of, you know, Morgantown on game day is just unbelievable. Um, football's, 
football game days in the fall. It's just, it's honestly the, my favorite place to be is the, the stadium on a game day in the fall. There's just, it's indescribable. Um, then when I was actually, you know, junior, senior in high school, looking at where I wanted to go, um, I toured other places. I toured Marshall and some other places in state and like did my research on other schools out of state. But once I toured WVU's campus, I just fell in love and knew that was the place I wanted to be. So really kind of, since I was born, I was kind of destined to go there, but uh, really I kept my mind open when I was touring other schools and still felt it was the the right fit for me. Yeah. Did you go to any games, um, WVU games, basketball or football growing up or before you were a student there? Yeah. Yeah. So I remember going to games. One of my earliest memories is probably at, at a football game. Um, I remember the old Big East days. Uh, my family actually had season tickets just watching okay. uh, Pat White and Steve Slayton. Those guys um, just light it up. It was awesome watching that. Uh, and then I didn't get to go as, to, to as many basketball games. Um, so that was a, a cool, like, being able to stand in the student section and the Coliseum was an awesome experience because I, I hadn't really done that um, or been to as many basketball games growing up as a kid. So, um, and then just seeing all the, you know, the other Olympic sports, um, like soccer games were really fun that I never knew about um, before I got to campus, volleyball. Um, and then we actually just got um, the new baseball stadium when I was a sophomore, I believe. And it's beautiful and it's really changed the face of the program. And then last year we hosted the uh, regional up there and it, that was an awesome experience. It was like a crazy yeah. year for a college baseball game. Sure. Um, so yeah. Uh, growing up just kind of always Morgantown's been my second home as I like to say. Yeah. I remember I grew up in Colorado Springs and the Air Force Academy was the only Division One program there. And so they used to have a student section called uh, Section 8. So I remember going as a kid, being yeah. exposed. And uh, I know you mentioned it in the blog that you wrote um, this past week, which was awesome and appreciate you writing that. Yeah, um, definitely. But just how you were exposed to student sections in high school and the Southside Psychos and in yeah. middle school. But I'm curious, what's your earliest memory of the Mountaineer Maniacs as a kid? I think actually uh, the it's the game that no WVU fan wants to talk about. Um, the 2007 Pitt game at home when we had a national championship bid on the line. Um, and unfortunately we lost, but I just remember the student section. It looked like it was double the capacity of what it normally was. I mean, I feel like they packed every single student there. Like it's just a sea of gold. Um, I remember them chanting from the, I mean, Usually it takes a while for the student section to fill up, you know, notoriously students like to come in a little later, but I remember it just when the band was on the field, just how loud they were enchanting from the time the gates opened. Um, wow. uh, there's a chant. Uh, I don't know if I can repeat it here, but that, <laughs> one was, uh, that one was repeated a lot throughout the game. Um, but that's probably the earliest memory I have. I think I was probably like 10 or 11, 12. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's that was that was a fun game up until you know the final the final result, unfortunately. But yeah. the student section was unbelievable. Wow. Who who is um, you know for the listeners who is who who would you deem West Virginia's biggest rival? And maybe that's sports specific, or maybe it doesn't matter. 
So that's a tough one because being in the Big 12, there's really not a geographic rival. Um, so we, we kind of have Pond Texas as our rival with the whole horns down thing and everything. Okay. But it's still just – it doesn't feel authentic, you know. Um, going back to the Big East days, you know, we had, we had Pitt. that They're literally just an hour up, up I-79. Um, so I still consider Pitt as our biggest rival. Um, and fortunately we've got to play them in basketball the last few years and it's been a, a really fun series. So hopefully that continues, but for football and the other sports where, you know, there's not as much out of conference, it's hard to have a, an actual rival in the big 12, just because we don't really fit geographically. Um, and we have to fly if we want to want to go to an away game. So it's not as, um, you know, you don't have family, most families, what is great about Pitt, you know, you have families divided between, you know, Pitt alums and WVU and like Virginia Tech, Penn State, Maryland, those are all right around us. But there's not many uh, Texas and West Virginia families divided. So yeah, I wouldn't say it's as, uh, you know, much of a rival as it is with like Pitt, Virginia Tech. I would, I would, still consider those our, our core rivals. Sure. Yeah, it's not like a Alabama or an Auburn rivalry, right. which yeah. my brother went to grad school at Alabama, my wife went to Auburn. So yeah, there I'm you sure go, that, house divided. Yeah, <laughs> sure the Iron Bowl. Yeah. So now that you're uh, graduated, how do you foresee um, being a fan? What, what is being a fan going to look like for you um, now that you're not a student and have prime access to <laughs> all the games. Right. I have uh, recently learned how expensive it is to sit. If you want <laughs> good seats at a game, it's pretty expensive. I'd yeah, let that, be a, let, let that be a lesson to all the students listening to don't take for granted the amazing seats that you get yep. for either free or extremely cheap because right. once you graduate, you do not get that benefit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, sitting courtside for a basketball game and 50-yard line for a football game, that's going to that's gonna run me up uh, a check now. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, uh, so that's been the biggest thing. I was actually looking at football season tickets. Um, so actually purchasing tickets is one of the, the biggest things. But then, you know, one of the great things about being a student section leader is you kind of do have to balance, you know, actually the business side, the organization side, and then and then being a fan, um, I feel like I can just kind of relax at games now and just kind of let my guard down um, and just watch the game, enjoy the game. I don't have to worry about, you know, all right, do we have this ready for the, the next time out um, and all of that. So none of the logistical stuff. So it's kind of more relaxing. Um, I really hope I can actually attend a game. Hopefully we can actually have fans at games this year so I can actually experience it. But um, definitely not as not as much tension um or not as much to worry about i can just kind of go to the game and 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 be relaxed but definitely gonna miss that side of the student section side you know planning um and all that too i remember my first basketball game back to gcu after i wasn't working there anymore not a student and it was it was so nice just to go in like a normal fan uh, go get some popcorn. Um, yeah. I don't really, not a huge soda drinker, but special occasions, I was like, I'll get a Coke or a root beer <laughs> or something. There you go. Um, 
and uh, just sat down, watched the pregame, watched the student section from afar, left right after without cleaning anything up, and it was just a great experience. Oh, so I can't even imagine that right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. Like, the past four years, five years, it's been, you know, get to the game three hours early, stay late, make sure everything is done, has went smooth. So I can't even imagine just going to a game like – half an hour before kickoff or tip and just yep. sitting in my seat and just not having to worry about anything. So yeah, that should, that should be pretty uh, relieving once I get to experience that. Sure. Yeah. Hopefully sooner than later. Right. Um, what are your, well, does West Virginia have any unique uh, traditions, uh, whether it's football or basketball? Um just in general, or what, what would be your favorite tradition? Uh, country roads, obviously. That's, like, the big yeah. one. Um, I uh, well, just love seeing country roads after a big win. There's nothing like it. Um, but then there's also one for football that maybe not as many people know about. We have a first down cheer. It's pretty cool. Um, everyone, like, puts their hands up, and you do the spirit fingers, and then um, wait for the PA announcer to announce first down West Virginia and then everyone goes WVU clap and then first down. That's great. That was pretty cool. I like that. Uh, it's pretty unique. I don't think many schools have a, a first down cheer. Yep. So that's another good one. Um, yeah. And then the blue lot, if you never heard of the blue lot, it's like the, the, the main tailgate lot for uh, okay. football games. It's, it's a scene like you wouldn't <laughs> believe. Uh, it's pretty fun on game days. So, and then um, we have the Mountaineer man trip where the, the players and coaches walk right through the blue lot um, to go into the, the stadium. And then they touch oh a, a piece of coal from a, a coal mine here in West Virginia. So the whole pregame experience at a, at a football game is, is pretty awesome too. Is the blue lot students only? No. So it's a new okay. one. Um, Just the craziest actually, of the crazies who want to tailgate. Right. Yeah. It's like the prime spot right in front of the, the stadium. It's actually a hospital parking lot too, which is. Oh, wow. So if you you go too hard at the blue lot, you got the hospital right there. <laughs> so um, I've talked to some of my friends who are who are uh, in nursing or like other medical fields who work work during the games. They said there's some interesting uh, patients <laughs> they get uh, on game days that come from the blue lot. So <laughs> man, my big thing is just like just make it into the game at least. Like you're yeah. missing out on the best part, like yeah, entering I the venue, like seeing the beginning of the game. <laughs> I think that's why they uh, schedule so many noon games. Just get the fans yeah. in there, you know. <laughs> oh, man. So can you give me and the listeners, give me an overview of the Mountaineer Maniacs, who they are and what they do at WVU? Yeah. Yeah, so last year, um, the 2019-2020 season, um, as, as I was executive director, we actually celebrated our 20th year as an official student organization. So Awesome. Um, 20 years, I mean, feels like a long time, but really not. I got to meet um, some of the past directors and, and the ones who actually started the organization. It was just really cool oh. to talk to those guys. Yeah. I mean, they really just started it just, just to have a student section, to travel to away games. Um, like I said earlier, back then, you know, we had closer geographical rivals like Pitt, Virginia Tech, yeah. um, Maryland. So we could travel to games, and that's kind of where it started from. Um, having an organized student section, you know, to travel to games. And then um, it kind of just took off from there. Um, over the last four years, five years since I've been involved, um, I've seen it 
become even more extensive and we've really helped uh, partner with the university side of things and the athletic department. Um, and it's really just become more than just a student section. We're actually the largest organization on campus wow. um, for students. So usually average about, you know, 4,500, 5,000 members um, throughout a, throughout a uh, school year. So um, we really cater to pretty much everyone on campus. So it's a big responsibility. We do everything from, you know, we have watch parties for away games. We obviously are the first ones there for a, yep. a home game and do giveaways and promotions, tailgates, all that stuff. And really just try to get students engaged and, and create that athletic, passionate culture on campus, which I think we've done a pretty good job of. I, I would put us towards the, towards the top of the, uh, the student sections for Division I. Um, yeah. I think we're organized really well. Um, we're extensive. We have an executive board of 30 members who, who help really, they're the, they're the engine behind the whole organization and really, really get everything going. So yeah, it's a, a great organization. And as soon as I stepped on campus, I knew it was something I wanted to get involved in. Yeah. How have you seen the Mountaineer Maniacs impact the athletic department and school as a whole? Yeah. So um, just a few years ago, they actually, um, became, we became an actual entity of the athletic department. So okay. before we were just like an independent student organization, like any, any other student org. Um, but then we actually integrated with the athletic department. So I think that's helped, you know, streamline communication, um, and get everyone on the same page. You know, we can collaborate with the athletic department easier. Um, we have open communication with them. So if we have a question about, you know, a game or, anything we can we can go to the our advisor who is a member of the athletic department and then really just communicate with them and i think that's one of the biggest things to a successful student section is having open communication with the athletic department um and then also the university as a whole i mean maniacs are probably the the most visible student organization on campus like i said it's the largest student organization so everyone knows about the maniacs so that's a big responsibility and it's also a great opportunity to get everyone involved and really create that culture of, you know, not just showing up to have, get a t-shirt at a game, but to really be there, make an impact on the game. And then yeah. also outside of athletics, you know, we, we do community service projects as well. So um, just so we focus on being well-rounded um, in the community and in the athletic um, arenas. Sure. Um, give me some insight on to the amount of work that goes into the student section. You know, what does a typical game day look like for you all? Or, you know, what does an office hour session look like when you're planning a marketing or a social plan? Um, could you elaborate on, on the amount of work that goes in as a student leader? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, before when I was just, you know, an executive board member, it seemed like it was a lot of work. Um, and then once I took over as executive director last year, it is, I, I was blown away at first by how much actual planning goes into just a single game day or a single event. So um, I had a meeting probably at, at least one a day, I would average probably one meeting with, you know, 
university administrators, athletic department, um, students, you name it, um, coaches. Um, so just meeting and, and getting different inputs from people across the university is, is one of the biggest things that, you know, not many people think about, you know, you, you think student section, you think, okay, you just show up before the game and, and do some cheers. But, you know, we had a whole marketing and media team that went into designing graphics, promoting that on social media, um, contacting um, other organizations across the, the university to, to see if they wanted to get involved and to help promote on, on social media. Um, we had an email marketing uh, system and then um, just the planning that goes behind the game day, I would say weeks, if not months in advance, you're planning, you know, okay, are there any promotions that the athletic department is running? Is there a certain color that the fans are going to be encouraged to wear? Um, are there any pregame effects like uh, an LED baton light show or anything that we need to be aware of? Um, and then getting it out on social media, like I said, that, that it weeks in advance, you know, you have to, you know, the date time, the giveaway, if we have a giveaway um, and food tip for the tailgate before the game. So I would say as executive director, I put in at least 40 hours a week. Um, wow. So full-time job uh, for the, just, just for the planning portion. And then that probably doesn't even count the, the games for the, for the week, which is probably another 10, 15 hours. So it is in, an incredible amount of planning that goes in behind every game day. Um, I mean, because like I said earlier, you, you're one of the first ones to show up for a basketball game. We would actually have early entry before any other student or a general ticket holder would, would be in the game. So we'd be in there half an hour before gates open and then we're one of the last ones to leave. So for a basketball game, you're looking at being at the arena for well over four hours, um, getting everything set up and staying throughout the game. So it's a big commitment, but it's, it also offers a lot of rewards and, it really shaped my college experience. So I would still recommend it for anyone. Yeah. How did it impact your college experience? Not only the student section, but being in a leadership role for the maniacs. Yeah. So my sophomore year is when I got it. Um, I really got involved with the executive board. Um, and that's when I, you know, really took the next step in becoming a student leader with the Mountaineer maniacs. Um, and it really helped kind of give me, my core friend group um, on campus, you know, that's something everyone, you know, when they get to college, you know, you got to find that core friend group um, that, you know, you can kind of go to for anything. That's what the Maniacs gave me um, with the executive board and just experiences that I never would have had. Um, I got to travel for away games and have all kinds of, of fun experiences that I never would have been able to do if it wasn't for joining the executive board. Um, so it also, you know, is a great resume builder, especially if you want to get into the sports industry, there's really no other position, no internship, like running a student section with, you know, you have a budget that you have to follow. It's basically like running a, a small business is, is how I would put it. Um, you, know, you have marketing, you have operations, you have uh, finance, you know, it's really like being almost like a CEO of a, of a small business, you know, there's a lot, 
there's a lot of great experience that goes along with that. Yeah, I uh, I know you you would mention in your blog it's like a hybrid between running a mini athletic department and a small business, and yep, that resonates a lot with me. I remember people asking when we were building the Havocs at GCU, like what what is your role? Like people outside yep. of the student section world. Yep. Like, are you just a cheerleader or a yeah. glorified spirit captain? I'm, right. And, and it's just hard to explain. Like, yes, you see me at a basketball game and I'm wearing a cape and shirtless with my face painted and I'm going crazy. But what you don't see is 98% of the work that goes on everything you just talked about. Right. And um, really, really cool to hear your experience and how much time and effort you put in behind the scenes. Um just just to you know for the people listening to see like yeah this is a lot of work but it is very rewarding and, exactly. and the more work you put in the more rewarding it is and it's a big adrenaline rush when you're leading cheers uh, yeah. how many students on average would you have at a football and a basketball game so football um our student section held about twelve thousand. so wow. when that was full it was fun and then we had the majority of them are in the, the upper student section as it's called right. um which runs from about the the 40 yard line all the way to the end zone. So, you know, when you have a a student section that's big, it's kind of more difficult to coordinate um, cheers and stuff like that, but um, still pretty rowdy, especially for a night game. It's an electric atmosphere. Um, And then basketball, we have about 3000 for a game. Um, But the way it's, it's laid out again, we have a, an upper and a lower section. The lower section um, held, I forget the exact number. I think it's about 1,000, but okay. we'd, we'd pack in more than that for a big game. Um, yep. So right on the court. Amazing. So to kind of um, stay just in the student section world for a bit and yep. nerd out on that a bit, um, obviously a tremendous, a, ton of, a tremendous amount of time and effort, and I know um, you've, you've left it in good hands and have passed it off to the next group of leaders um, who we've had some conversations with and, you know, it's really exciting, um, kind of their vision, their goals for the student section. Uh, you know, that being said for an established student section, you're a power five, big 12 school. You got 3000 kids at basketball, 12,000 at football. Is it all just roses and super easy? I mean, tell me what challenges that either you faced or challenges that the, the new leaders are going to face over the next year or two. I, I think some people think, Hey, once you build the student section, you're, you're good. You just need new leaders. But what, what do you think are challenges that you'll face being established, being a top tier student section year in and year out? Yeah. So there's a lot of pressure, you know, when you have a school that big and you know, the culture around it is, is so historic, you know, there is a lot of pressure, you know, to have a big, turnout because ultimately it, it at least I in my opinion it does come back to the student section leader on whether there is a good turnout for a game or not so I felt personally responsible for if there was a good turnout or a poor turnout so that's one of the biggest things is just um, you know not to not to get too stressed out but to know that yeah. you have you have a big responsibility on who comes to the game how engaged they are um, and all of that, and ultimately building building the culture of the student section. Um, so, 
One of the biggest challenges I would say, and I think this goes nationwide for any student section is, is retention um, and, and okay. just getting, getting students to stay for the whole, whole game. Yeah. Um, especially for football, we've had, we've had some issues with, you know, halftime, you see half the student section empty out and we, you know, we just try to think, okay, how do we get kids to stay? Um, we tried, so we have a mobile app and one of our yep. ideas was to get, you know, 200 points if they stay till the fourth quarter, um, they can get that, you know, redeem that for a free pizza, t-shirt, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so just trying to get kids to the game, um, is almost the easy part, but then getting them to stay for the entire game and, and be engaged. That's, that's one of the most difficult aspects of it. Yeah. Um, and then also just try not to get burnt out. Um, I yeah. know as I was, you know, second semester, going it felt like just non-stop for you know eight months it's hard not to get burnout um and try to to keep innovating you know when you're an established student section it seems like a lot of it is just you know okay how do i get through this next event or okay let's just plan it just give a t-shirt and we'll we'll just get through the get through the game but you know you want to constantly improve constantly innovate constantly find new ways to engage the students make it a, a greater experience for them so they so they will come to the games and so they will stay so um constantly finding that motivation you know to why you you know ultimately why you you wanted to join the student section and why you were so passionate about it um use that as a motivation to you know constantly innovate and constantly improve um and make an impact on the entire game and and the athletic culture around the school because students have some of the loudest voices on campus. They are the loudest voices on campus. They're the leaders. Um, so they have a huge responsibility to uh, affect how, how the culture and how the, uh, you know, ultimately how, how the game goes. Because I think, um, I truly believe that a student section can make an impact on a, on a game um, if they are engaged and, you know, when, I've witnessed firsthand 3,000 students screaming um, in the Coliseum. That can affect uh, the, the opposing team. So it is a big responsibility. But I, my advice to, uh, you know, those student leaders who are, who are coming, just don't, you know, traditions are great, but constantly improve and constantly innovate um, to engage the students and create a unique experience at the games. Yeah. Would you have any practical tips or resources for student leaders on, hey, once you build some organic momentum and, and you have your leadership, how can student leaders avoid just staying in their own bubble or staying in the weeds of what was done last year? I mean, do you have any practical tips or ways for students to continually innovate year in and year out? Yeah, I mean, I think getting a, a different perspective is is always a good thing. You know, when you're on the executive board or leading, you know, president or executive director or whatever, you kind of are right on top of it. You can't really take a step back or have difficulty taking a step back and looking, okay, where can we improve? Um, what are we doing well? So whether that's a, you know, an administrator, a coach, you know, a student who may not be involved, you know, just getting some opinions um, on how, how they can improve um, is always a good thing. And I think having a, uh, you know, open conversation with other student sections is great. I think that's a great yeah. thing that the biggest fan does is, you know, it brings 
those student sections together. And, you know, I'll, it's a very niche uh, group. So yeah. talking to other student sections is really the only way to kind of get a feel for, okay, this school is doing this and it seems to be working well. Maybe we can try that. So, you know, just getting a different perspective, I think, is always a great, a great way to, you know, figure out how to constantly improve. Yeah. When I love that you said the, the burnout, because it's exciting, especially when you're building, it's exciting and it's fun. And then, and now all of a sudden you have this established student section with yeah. expectations and pressure, you're putting in 40 hours a week, you start getting to conference basketball play and you're like, man, I'm tired. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I talk so much in my, my trainings is just going, taking everything back to that. Why? Because if you personally yeah. don't have, your personal why of why you're involved in the student section, then when things get hard, it's going to be easy to quit. Or if you don't have your student section, why or mission or, or culture and values, then it's easy to be like, well, what does it matter if 2000 kids come or 3000 kids come? Well, it matters because here's our values and here's our mission and vision. So I'm really glad that you, you touched on that. Um, you know, last little uh, little bit for, for kind of being in the weeds of student sections. Um, what would you say to administrators listening? How can they, because I talk so much about student leadership, yeah. and often the student section falls on the marketing administrator's shoulders among, among their many other responsibilities because there's no students that are doing it. Mm -hmm. So what would you tell administrators when it comes to finding students or kind of delegating and trusting those student leaders, how can administrators best support student leaders once they found them, find them? Um, I'd say, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, giving them guidance, but try not to control, you know, every move that they make. Um, let the students have their voice and have ultimate control on what the student section does and the channels. Um, I think, what I loved about the, the maniacs and our relationship with the athletic department is they were kind of just there. If we needed them, you know, they weren't, yeah. you know, demanding us to do certain things. If we, if I had a question, I would go to them, but ultimately we were, you know, directing ourselves and we were the ones in charge of the student section. So I think being there for support, but not, you know, being overly involved where, it's basically just the athletic department doing the student section. I think trusting the student leaders um, and just kind of kind of letting them take over and 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 guide the student section. I think that's the biggest thing because it is the student section um, and the student leaders are the ones who are in charge. So that's what I would say. Um, and then you know, don't be afraid to to try something new if the if the students you know want to try something, uh, let them go ahead and go for experiment. I don't think, you know, oftentimes I think athletic departments can get kind of stuck in their ways sometimes. Um, but, but just let the, let the students experiment, let them run with a project that they want to try. They want to try a new, new cheer, you know, they want to do something, you know, it might sound crazy, but let them try it and be ambitious. That's awesome. And I think you provided a lot of great um, tips and, and practical ways to do that. And I think for any current student section 
leaders that are, are listening, I think a lot of what you said will resonate with them and hopefully inspire them and encourage them to go yeah. take action. Um, you know, one thing that I just thought of is that there's students that listen to this podcast that are at a smaller school or they don't mm-hmm. have an established student section. They're the maniacs 20 years ago. Right. And they're like, that's great, Kyle, but we don't have as many resources. I'm just passionate. I just go to basketball games yeah. by myself and paint my chest. What would you say to that student, that boy, that girl that are just like, hey, we just love sports. We want what you have kind of led and we want that establishment. Mm-hmm. What, what would you tell that student on how to build their student section? I think first just organize, you know, in that, in that situation, I would, you know, go to as high up in the university as I can and just kind of pitch myself and say, hey, wow. this is what benefits the student section can bring to campus and the university. Um, and I think I can be the person to lead that and kind of get it going. So that would be my advice for that. And then just from there, you know, almost want to write a business plan, um, but just for the student section um, and plan it out. I think structure, organization are keys um, to moving forward. And then just make sure you establish that core of why the student section exists, you know, yeah. Why does a student section exist on campus? What is the goal? Um, and then just use that to guide and direct you in, in every every move you make. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw in a shameless plug because that's what we do in the Accelerator. We, we help create yeah. that internal culture, that mission, the vision, take a step back, and then essentially create a business plan for your student section. Exactly. Um, Cool. Well, we'll move to the last part, uh, kind of the overtime section that I just, you know, like to ask each guest. Uh, first is, in your opinion, what separates the best student sections from the rest? So I think uh, what separates them is, I, I kind of touched on this earlier, but an overall balanced organization, you know, there can be a great student section that might be play loud on game days, but you know, they aren't involved on anything else on campus. They, you know, they aren't involved in the community. They don't have a presence on social media. Um, and then there might be another student section who's the opposite. They might have like 20,000 followers on social media, but when you see them on game day, the section's half empty. So having, I think, balance and then, you know, for every single category, you know, community service, you want to be the best student organization for community service. You want to be the best student organization for engagement. You want to be the loudest voices on game day. Um, So I think having that well-rounded organization is ultimately what what separates those from the best. Um, But then ultimately what, you know, which one you should focus on more out of, out of all those things are, is, is game days, you know, having a loud student section and a, and a full engaged student section, I would say weighs a little more than, than the other activities, but ultimately having a well-balanced student section, I think is what, what separates those. And what is your favorite goosebumps student section memory? So uh, now looking back, I don't think at the time I realized, but our last basketball game um, before all the, the COVID stuff happened, we had Baylor at home um, and they were ranked Were they number were they number one? I think they were number one still. They might've been number two. Um, But there was just an energy in the Coliseum that day. You know, I I felt it from the moment I stepped in. I'm like, all right, we're getting the win today. And 
you know, it was ESPN, national broadcast. Um, and we ended up winning and just rushing the court. It was, it was awesome. But at the time, I didn't realize, you know, I did realize that was my last home game, but I didn't realize that was like the last college sporting event for the near future to happen um, with WVU. So looking back, just that's, there's no other way I'd want to, to spend my last memory as a student um, than rushing the court and singing Country Roads. Um, so that was definitely awesome. Just that whole game was great. Man, I just got the goosebumps just thinking of last senior game, winning at home against number one, number two seed, yep. storming the court, singing your tradition. Like, there's oh, no man. other. There's, you can't write it better in a, in a movie. It, I That's mean, amazing. And that whole game, just all the seniors, we just had a feeling. Sometimes yeah. you just you just feel it, and we, we had just that feeling that feeling. night. That's yep. amazing. <laughs> Last question. If you could be a student section leader just for one more game, and you knew it was going to be 100% capacity, 100% attendance and engagement, what's the scenario? Who's the opponent? What's the venue? What sport? What are the stakes? All right. So this – I mean, it's got to be football. We've had some basketball success over the years, but – WVU is a football school, I think, uh, through and through. Um, we've had some success in basketball, but football, there's just nothing like it. So it's got to be football, Milan Pushkar Stadium at home, um, night game, let's say 8 p.m. kick. And if, I, if we're like in a vacuum and I can pick the, the opponent, it's got to oh, yeah. be Pitt. Got to okay. be Pitt to go to the national championship. Basically an exact replica of that 2007 game I talked about. That would be amazing. If we could have a shot at that again, I know we would just kick the crap out of them and win. And the student section would be unbelievable. They wouldn't keep us on the field. We would be <laughs> on the field. They, they would not be able to keep us off. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I hope that somehow, some way, that game can be replicated and that you can, that you can go to that game even if you're you know, old with some gray hairs. I know you'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there going no matter crazy. what. <laughs> so cool. Well, where can um, our listeners – uh, find more about either you and what you're doing or the maniacs online. Yeah. So for me, um, all of my social is the same. It's at Sam's underscore club with a K. Um, and then the maniacs just visit our website, maniacs.wvu.edu. Um, and that'll link to all of our social media too. If you just search WVU maniacs on social, um, you can find us there. Um, we have some pretty cool content. Uh, so definitely give them, give them a shout out. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much for jumping on the Biggest Fan Podcast, Kyle, and we will talk soon. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Biggest Fan Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, give us a rating and make sure to subscribe. We'll be dropping new content often and you don't want to miss out on a single episode. One last thing, make sure to check us out at studentsections.com or at Biggest Fan Consulting on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Brandon Kaiser. This is the Biggest Fan Podcast and stay hyped.